Hello, everybody. My name is Paula Siskanik, and I'm here from the Catholic Homeschool Conference and Catholic Homeschool Community. And welcome. So glad to have you join us. I am so pleased to have today Nancy, and it's Benzuk. Did I say yeah, that right? Very good. Yeah, great. Nancy from Catholic Sprouts. And gosh, if any of you have not had a chance to listen to Catholic Sprouts, please do. I know I listen to her playlists <laughs> as well as just um, what a, what a, I think I found out about Catholic Sprouts actually through some of the younger moms on being one of those, as I call, seasoned homeschooling moms. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in fact, I even got um, your little Advent program for my grandchildren. So I am really Fine. pleased to have you today come and talk to us about Advent. And really, um, we all know this year is going to be vastly different. I know people are gearing up for Thanksgiving right now and thinking about it differently. Okay, on Sunday, the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, we begin a new year. Hooray! Happy New Year! And that's the <laughs> yeah. new liturgical year. And what a great way to to really show that sign of hope, the cycle of our life. And I'd love to just unpack with you, Nancy, some of your ideas, some ways I know that you've been thinking about really making this Advent kind of special. But before we dive into that, I would love people to get to know a little bit about you. So, so tell us a little bit about your family and also the inspiration of why you started Catholic Sprouts. Sure. Well, um, so I'm Nancy, like you said, and I'm from, I'm, we live outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota with my husband and we have five kids, third grade um, through one year old. And yeah, um, so I've been doing the Catholic Sprouts podcast, which is a daily podcast for the last two and a half years. And I started doing that actually because several years ago, my husband found a podcast for our kids to brush their teeth to. It's called Chompers. I don't even know if it's still around. But um, at the time, you know, my older sisters all had kids before I did. And that gives you like a, a vantage point to, to decide how you're going to do everything better. You know, I would watch and be like, well... I'll do this all better. And I always assumed that catechesis would be sort of this natural part of our daily life, especially even with little kids, you know, that it would somehow just sort of organically happen. And then you get into it and it's crazy and there's always a baby that's screaming and I lose my temper much faster than I thought I would before I was a mom. And it just, I was really like just down on myself that I wasn't doing this. You know, I had thought... I would just naturally be catechizing my kids. And what I realized is that it's hard. It's hard to find the time. It's hard to be in the right mood all the time. And so inspired by that tooth brushing podcast, um, I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if they were getting catechized <laughs> during this little pocket of time that we're always going to make time for, you know, always going to brush your teeth. Um, of course, there wasn't anything like that. So I started Catholic Sprouts. And I honestly started it. It's just, and if you haven't listened to it, it's just five days a week, about a five minute episode. And we talk about different themes. We're doing Christology this fall and it's going to be, it's going a little longer. So probably through the spring. And we just try to take, um, you know, nothing watered down, but try to tell Catholic truths with story and vivid images. Um, so anyway, so I recorded it for my own kids and I'm like, we're listening to over breakfast. I don't care if anybody else listens to it, but at least while I'm scooping out oatmeal, even if I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, we're all getting a little bit of catechesis this morning. And um, yeah, and it's really grown. And it's been such a joy to know that I can help other families in the same way that I needed help. And I really love putting it together. So that's really kind of how this whole crazy thing started. Not necessarily with the plan at all, but that's no, how it happened. And that's natural. That's just one of the beautiful things about, and I think it's uh, one of the things you you talk about in a way too, 
what I love about your podcast too is this you always end it with a call to action, a little challenge. So it's this openness to to our stage of life and what we're doing. And one of the things, Nancy, you, that really resonated with me and you is this feeling of how you began moms do. We all feel like we're just we're just not doing enough and we're not doing it the way we really want it to be. So isn't this, you know, great that through technology and we can do these things in a yeah. way we would never would have imagined doing that before. hundred so percent. Yeah. I, know. So I feel so grateful that I am a mom now and not a mom when my mom was a mom, you know, that <laughs> we have the ability to connect and to piggyback off of each other in a way, you know, there's a lot of things that other Catholic moms created for their families that I use here. So, you know, it's just so nice that we can share. So, yes. Great. Well, speaking of sharing, I'd love to just start unpacking Advent. You know, let's let's talk about you can start wherever you want, whether it's the whole idea of the Advent season or if you really want to start just talking about the liturgical year. You you know, sure. lead sure. us oh, on that I way. I think maybe right? that light will light even better. Um, so Advent. Um, I have been for the last couple of months reflecting on what Advent will look like in our family. And I think all of us are kind of going through a mourning process right now where I think about the Advent season and almost all of my favorite parts of Advent won't be there, you know, um, just, you know, the huge family gatherings, you know, I come from really big families and both of those extended, all of those extended family gatherings have been canceled. We were hopeful that we were going to go visit my husband's family in Pennsylvania over Thanksgiving, but with the new restrictions there, and I guess we were just exposed to someone with COVID. It's just like, every, it just feels like you can't count on anything. And I think, uh, what we're experiencing is not unique. It's what we're all dealing with right now. And so um, anyway, I have just really prayerfully been wondering how, what will Advent look like in the midst of all of these things. And I think it's really important that we stop and think of Advent differently this year. I have a couple of friends, um, we were talking about this, and some of them were just saying like, well, we're just going to do the Jesse tree like we do every year, which is great. I love the Jesse tree. We've done it so many times. Um, and if that's right, then that's great. But I also think if we're going to do, if it's going to be different, if we're going to try something different, if we're going to try something slower, this is the year. Um I don't know if you have come across it, but one of my favorite things, maybe it's been around for a while, but I just discovered is the Surrender Novena. Um, yeah, so great. We've been praying it sort of on a cycle <laughs> with our evening prayer. And I um, have been adding it also to my morning prayer. Just to me, the idea that um, even more powerful than any of the prayers that we do probably the most powerful thing that we can do for ourselves and for our family, this Advent in particular, is to surrender. Um, and, you know, maybe that means this year we're not going to do the super crazy, wonderful Jesse tree that we've done in the past. Maybe it means a much simpler Advent. So at least that's what's been on my heart for my own family is a simpler advent and to surrender to that because um, I bet a lot of people in this community for sure can relate to the fact that there can sometimes be a strong conflict between what I really desire for our Catholic life in our home to be um, and what my family needs. You know, like I want to do all the crafts. I want to do all the things. I want to do the Jesse tree every day when we're supposed to have done it. Um, and I think sometimes more, more of a slow, maybe just focusing on entering into the darkness, really making the advent wreath and the candles more of a focal point singing together. Um, anyway, I'm personally still sorting out what this means for me, but I just think we need to go into advent this year with our eyes wide open ready to surrender some of those desires to do it perfectly and to allow this to truly be a season of both surrender 
and waiting and true waiting. You know, I feel like all year we've just been waiting, (laughs) waiting for things to go back, waiting for the restrictions to lift, but we haven't been waiting with, you know, it hasn't been a, a holy waiting. It's been an anxious, fretful waiting. So, so that's really my, my focus. I will fall short. I know, but to just really embrace surrender, prayerful waiting and simplicity. And I have some ideas to break those down, but that's kind of, those are kind of the things that are rolling around in my head. Yeah. I love that. I think that's again, uh, fresh eyes, right. Being able Mm -hmm. to say, you know, even though we do, we love our traditions, you know, and our faith is based on uh, ritual tradition. Let's look at those with fresh eyes and, and we may get richer for that, I think, as a way you're saying, you know, slowing down, being quiet about it. So, so what are some maybe specific things that, you know, um, maybe some of our families here don't know or would even consider, like doing it a little differently this year? You've got a couple ideas? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So when I, when I think about my, like, what's been really meaningful with our family in the past, and the things in Advent are always so simple. And so I know most people are doing this, but just to remember that these aren't like the simple things. These are the most impactful thing probably for your kids. Like number one, make sure you get the wreath out, make sure you do it right away and make sure you light those candles as much as you can. You know, if I think back on my own childhood in Advent, it was always like that sensory, the darkness, the candles. I mean, we know how important all of that is just by being Catholic. So embrace that. And I think sometimes we feel like if I'm not doing this super involved Advent study or whatever, it doesn't count. But no, I really do think setting up the wreath, lighting the candles, getting extra candles so you can have them lit often. Maybe this year's the first year you go to real candles, not the little battery powered ones, but just really think like that. That's not just a background thing. That's an important front thing. The other thing that I am really looking forward to in Advent is singing. We sing more in our family during the Advent season. I know some families are really excellent at singing, you know, even at their meal prayer and stuff. We we don't get into that too much. We still have a couple of screaming toddlers and babies around here. Um, but there's something just so richly Advent about sitting in the dark around that, that wreath with the lit candles and singing, especially, I mean, I think the only Advent song we actually sing is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Most of our kids only know the first verse, but still, you know, even that, I just think let's, let's just remember that those super basic things are still so beautiful. And even if it's just that, even if you don't have a devotional or you're not doing the O antiphons, which are both awesome, that is still great. So just you know, especially when life's stressful, when you don't have things going your way during the Advent season, just go back to that, stay there. Yeah. I love um, how you explained in your podcast too about, I remember you did one last year, I was listening to your last year's Advent, sure. um, being intentional, even about how you bring out the candles. So, you know, and really helping the children to understand. So even though you've done it every year, I think you're suggesting perhaps that we kind of be a little more intentional about that. Yeah, and absolutely. And put learn about the symbolism, put them somewhere important even. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and there's so many great things to think about with the wreath, you know, the shape of the circle, the evergreen boughs. I know there's some families that even make their own reefs. We don't do that because <laughs> they get, they die and they all the needles fall off. So it's, it's more of a mess thing for us. But yeah, just really, um, you know, those things that we kind of push past because we've got to get to this big project or, oh my goodness, we're two days behind in the Jesse tree already. Just like let those be what they're supposed to be. Don't let them fall to the back. So the other thing that I think is, I always am encouraging families to do this in Advent because it's such a good time is to really invest in a strict routine around your prayer. You know, even if your prayer is short, um, you know, and some nights it will get disrupted. But I just think um, summer's crazy. Beginning of school year's crazy. 
parents travel, whatever, people, all sorts of crazy things going on. But I just think Advent is such a great time because it's a new year, like you said. You're pulling out the wreath, lighting the candles, doing something very different than what you probably did with your family prayer just before this. Like, for example, our family, we usually do our family prayer kind of in our living room, sitting on the couches. But during Advent, we move over to our dining room table because that's where the wreath is, you know, we so that we don't tip that over with the lit candles. So it's just a, a real feel of different, you know. And I think that's a great time to really invest in that prayer routine. And... Um, if you, the parents in the household haven't sketched out a schedule for the evening, I know many people have done this. I resisted doing this for a long time. And this is, of course, if you do prayer in the evening, if you do it in the morning, that's um, you could do that as well. But I just, for us, really investing in the fact that like 7.30 to 8 o'clock is when we pray. We can all read the clock now. We sit down, we pray in this way with our things. I think Advent is a really great time to reinvest in that. And um, at Catholic Sprouts, we've come up with a couple of studies for people to do during that time. Do you want me to share about those? Yes, definitely. I was just going to ask that question. You yeah. know, what what does that look like, that prayer time? Sure. And what's it going to look like for your family? Share that yeah. with us. So, yeah. so this is the one that we made this year. I don't know if the light's mm -hmm. working. Yep. So um, like I said, I was feeling already in the summertime as I was kind of looking to the fall and Advent. I was feeling in our family that we needed something other than the Jesse tree because I love the Jesse tree. But for us, the Jesse tree is so it's so woven into the way Advent has always been. You know, it's so woven into Christmas concerts and big family gatherings. I mean, it's just it's been something we've done for nine years in our family. So I just was mourning knowing that we wouldn't be doing these things. And for some reason, there was just and my, my kids felt the same way. There was just a sadness attached to it. And it was almost like if we're going to survive this Advent, we have to do something different. So. I wanted it simple. So this is called the Nativity Trail. It's a journey with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, of course, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And it comes with a map. I can post a picture in here, too, so you can mm -hmm. kind of mark off the days. But the real intention behind this study is I really wanted to go back to real simplicity. And so I was thinking, especially this happened, this started back in Lent. Um, during, during Holy Week, when you hear Jesus on the cross, um, praying and quoting the Psalms, it was really impactful to me to realize that the Bible in my hand that was holding the book of Psalms was the very same prayer book that he had used, the prayers that he had probably learned to read with and heard St. Joseph recite in the evening. And so that was really impactful to me. And I really started to think about the crazy experience that Mary and Joseph must have had when they, you know, these angels appeared and turned their lives upside down. And I just thought it must have been that while they were experiencing these things and they didn't know really what to expect, how to articulate their feelings, they must have gone back to the Psalms. Like that must have been, you know, words of comfort, words of anxiety, you know, all that they were feeling came from the Psalms. Just as Jesus voiced his feelings through the Psalms, they must have done the same thing because he learned it from them. So I just really started to think, you know, this, this window between the Annunciation and the birth of Jesus, all these things that happened, you know, so what we ended up doing is we ended up taking looking at the Liturgy of the Hours, which of course uses the Psalms, has a Psalm, many Psalms actually attributed to each day during the Advent season. And we picked one of those out. So it's a little bit of Lexio Divina on the Psalms. And it's this really soft introduction to the Liturgy of the Hours for families that you can join into the prayer of the church where, you know, these Psalms are being recited by so many people that have embraced this daily prayer. And then we go into an imaginative prayer. I'm a big fan of imaginative prayer where we, of course, stay utterly true to what is in the scripture, but we sort of imagine or put ourselves there, you know, what do things look like or smell like? What am I 
attracted to. Um, and even what I feel most powerful to is the ref- reflecting on um, the, the little moments around these big moments, you know, like on that journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the nights where Mary was trying to fall asleep out on a rock next to the trail or, you know, just riding a donkey through the little towns in Israel, just those little moments that we know happened, imagining what they were like and what it was like to truly follow God's will in those little, little moments. So anyway, so it's a psalm, a reflection, and a prayer, and that's it. And we really worked to make it so that um, a family could use it in 10 minutes or so, maybe a little (laughs) bit more, depending on the discussion. Because it's super important to me that we create things that require zero parent prep because life's busy. So so anyway, so that's what my family will be doing this year. I'm really excited about it just to really and really enter that journey, you know, because the the Jesse tree starts you at the beginning of time and you journey up to Jesus's birth. I felt like starting in Nazareth and going to Bethlehem. That was about the journey that we could do this year. (laughs) Yeah, Nancy, that sounds also too, again, very much with that intentional um, of simplifying, you know, not trying to take a big chunk, you know, really, really trying to make it pare it down. Um, I know myself, um, one of the big questions is, you know, everybody's rushing towards Christmas, you know, and I think this traveling very slowly is something that you're really trying to tap into with the children. Are there any other, you mentioned a resource you said for, for the journey. Do you have an example? Yeah. Oh goodness. It's in my other room. I'd have to go get it, but yes, it's a map. Go to your little, well, you know, we'll put on your website, let people go see that, but isn't it kind of like the kids can actually physically see yes. that they're moving towards something. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? I am going to just, here, I'll Share drop a link into the yeah. chat. So you okay, can that see sounds it. great. There we go. Sounds perfect. So Thank anyway, you. yeah, we'll it's put in this. It, yeah, we'll put the links use, on our replay. Print it as a big map or you can print it as a little one. Nice. So yeah, just because <laughs> if there's not something to mark off the days of Christmas, or not at Christmas when I'm talking about the days of Advent. I mean, that was right. honestly one of my favorites. My my mom would always just do the little simple chains for, you know, yes. paper chains. And anyway, it's I think it's great to really look forward to Christmas, to count down the days. So, uh, yeah, I tried it. We, we always love to do those too. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about that question about, you know, anticipation and waiting, you know, and, and um, being able to, teach children in a tangible way, you know, because as a parent, kids perspective of time (laughs) is very different than adults. It is. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it is so hard. One thing I, you know what, I am so glad to be Catholic. Can I just say that I, you know, we're, we're like big K-Love listeners in this house. We love K-Love. But I got to say the day, what was it? The day after Halloween and they're all like, playing Christmas music already. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Jesus's birthday as well, but all in good time. You know, I feel like the church is so wise in that way. So, and there's so many beautiful traditions to keep us on track, right? I'm sure many people do this all the time. Like we won't be setting our tree. We try to wait till the third Sunday of Advent. We usually fail. I think that's what's really recommended. We usually end up putting it at probably the second Sunday of Advent, but certainly not now. I mean, I feel like this year people are going crazy. Our our neighborhood looks like a winter wonderland out there already. It's crazy. Well, as, as you said in Minneapolis, you already had your snow, so yeah. it sort of feels that way. But you're right. And I mean, even our our world around us is kind of working against that in our area. People go to tree farms. And unless you tag your tree now, <laughs> yeah, you're left without a tree. It it, it really is. So so it's yes. wild. It's, it's wild. wild. Yeah. So hold off on the decorations. I think that does a <laughs> lot. Sometimes my kids get angry with you know not angry but kind of put out. Everyone else is celebrating Christmas, but not us. Well, you know. 
that's because it's not Christmas yet. Um, so I think that helps. The other thing that helps for us a lot is to embrace the feast days in December. There's so many great feast days. You know, we cram their shoes with goodies for St. Nicholas Day, St. Nicholas Feast Day on the 6th. We also, you know, bake bread for St. Lucy. And we we usually just make Mexican food for Our Lady Guadalupe, but she's a big patron in our house, Our Lady Guadalupe. So um, I just think there's other things to celebrate in Advent. And in fact, it feels like Advent's a little bit packed <laughs> sometimes. So, and um, so that we do that, but then also, and I, again, I know lots of people do this well. The other thing that we try to do is we try to stay in Christmas during Christmas you know, it is the saddest thing in the world to me when, you know, like on Facebook, people will show a picture of their Christmas tree in the garbage on like the Christmas day night. Oh, man. Anyway, we really try to stay in it. We try to really take um, the octave of Christmas and do something special each of those days with our family. My husband usually takes those days off of work. So, um, I just think I think it's very possible, especially to set the expectation in your family, especially like now that we've done that a few years, our kids expect they expect a lot of Christmas when it's actually Christmas. So I think that makes the waiting better, staying in Advent, making Advent special in its own right, but then really celebrating Christmas. And if you haven't seen it, I have a couple of friends that write for Blessed Is She, and they just came out with a really beautiful, like, Names of Jesus book for the Christmas season called Emmanuel. I'm sure they have it in their shop, but we bought that, and it has um, a beautiful reflection, even hymns for each of the days of Christmas, all the way up until the presentation. So it's just this beautiful reflection on the names of Jesus to really praise him through the Christmas season. So we're going to plan to do that as well. Is that the book that's uh, the new one that Kendra Tierney wrote or no, is it so a different book? It's from yeah. Blessed yeah, is She. Yeah, and again, you could be Blessed is She. Okay. And then we can yep. put it that link also in our, <laughs> Yeah, we love recommendations. We love sharing, yes. you know, resources that you find. And um, yeah, that's lovely because, uh, you know, very often through the rosary and our prayers, we know all the different names of the Blessed Mother, but coming to know Emmanuel, to know Jesus. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so wonderful. it's called Emmanuel. Here we go. I am just going to throw the link in there too. It's really gorgeous. My Great, friend, thanks. a good friend of mine, Laura Kelly Finucci wrote it and she just mm -hmm. has just this way of like penetrating writing beautiful. So anyways, so yeah, so I recommend that. Um, how do you, should I, should I just answer the question that popped up or should we keep yes, going? Yes, yes, please do. How do you go ahead? Okay. How do you keep Christmas through the whole season of Christmas as a family? There's so many resources for admin, but what do you do to distinguish Christmas with traditions? That is an excellent question. So we, we take feasting pretty seriously. Um, but we also, my husband's a graduate of Exodus 90 and I'm sure there's men, people's husbands that have done Exodus 90, which I think was a great refresher for us all of the necessity of self-denial of mm -hmm fasting. So we plan to throw away all the Halloween candy and get into fasting a little bit better during Advent. Um, and then, um, and then we feast during Christmas, you know, we have lots of treats. We also plan something fun for each of the eight days of Christmas, you know, the octave, we plan something fun, like, and now I'm like, well, what do you do this year that everything's closed? I'm like, well, we went to the science museum. Well, I can't go there. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I'm we'll have to we'll have to get creative, but we try to make it, you know, something that our kids would easily recognize as special during those days. And then the other thing that we do is we sing a lot. Once again, in the Christmas season, we sing a lot of Christmas carols, and we have two kids that are amateur piano players that can plunk out those notes on a piano, you know, just That's the great. notes. But well, I do so. know finding even just Advent music versus Christmas music is a bit of a challenge. It is. But, um, there are some playlists you can find, you know. Yes. Matt um, Maher has an excellent Advent 
um, album we listened to yes. like crazy and, last and year. And I think the Daughters of Ephesus, they as well put together an advent. So yeah, it's worth looking at. They are very haunting, uh, meditative, very often really inspire that waiting, that expectation mm -hmm. when you look for advent hint, you know, versus the Christmas songs. You know, yeah. I, I, I do have to confess that my, you know, uh, some of my young adults are already trying to infuse Christmas music in the house. So <laughs> I know, I know it was my, you know, my, it was my daughter's birthday on Friday. <clears throat> and so we were kind of doing a everything Bernadette wants to do afternoon when they, um, you know, when we were celebrating and she wanted to listen to Panatonic's Christmas album. I'm like, oh, all right, fine. <laughs> Just because it's your birthday. But they asked to listen to that like in June. So anyway. yes, exactly. We all love that. And it is true. I think basically what I'm hearing you say too is, you know, it's not about the hard and fast rules about these things. It's really moving with intention and making special what you Absolutely. do pick to do. So very, Absolutely. very good. Yeah. You touched upon some of the feast days uh, and I was going to ask you about that. You know, do, do you have some ideas? Cause I mean, you started to talk a little bit about the same, you know, tell us a few of those. I know St. Nicholas, some of the things you've done perhaps in the past or with your family, um, which we will be experiencing this year through the Advent season. Yeah. So I mean, we only do three. I got to be honest. We're not one of those that my, I have a younger sister who just does every feast day so well. And I am in awe of her. We do three. We do St. Nicholas, um, which of course, all we really do is pretty much the night before we'll read a story of St. Nicholas. He's in lots of great St. books out there. I'm sure there's lots of them. I know even um, OSV Kids has a magazine coming out and they have him featured in there for their December issue. So we'll read a story of St. Nicholas. And then in the morning, there are treats in their shoes. And we don't go crazy, you know, little gold coins. Um, there's a shop called, what are they called? Um, she has a podcast too. Goodness. She has yeah. a little gold coins for St. Nicholas Day. What is that called? Mm. Uh, but I, I know for years, ourself, my, yeah. our family business used to do that, you know, it was one of the biggest things, but simply you can just get the gold coins from the drugstore and find, yeah. download some pretty holy yeah. images, put them yeah. on there and put them in there. Yeah. And, and or, then we've also done the thing where you can kind of just make a little bishop's mitre enclosure yeah. with a pipe yes. cleaner and pop it on those chocolate Santas and stick them Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of good ideas. Or if you're me and forgot and are just remembering at nine o'clock at night and running to the gas station, you can just get uh, regular candy. <laughs> My kids Absolutely. are not picky. Um, Absolutely. So anyway. Yep. Right. We so do have another question, uh, Nancy. This one's from oh, Amanda, yeah. and it does have to talk with Santa. We've always done Santa pretty heavily and are now trying to distance ourselves from that and focus more on Advent. Any suggestions? Our kids are um, believe in Santa. They are nine to 20 months old. So yeah, let's talk about the Santa thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that's tricky. Mm -hmm. So I grew up believing in Santa. Um, oh gosh, it's so tricky because it's remarkably Santa is such a personal question, isn't it? Um, I, so this is all my thoughts. I think the biggest thing is that I think it depends a lot on the personality of your child, even children within a family. Like our oldest, Gus, is just so black and white, so black and white. And so we, um, my husband and I aren't very good at the, like we aren't very good at the tooth fairy and that kind of stuff. So we, we weren't going crazy overboard on the Santa thing, but you know, we both grew up with Santa. We kind of felt like it was a thing you did. But then when Gus was just four years old on a Sunday, I remember we left mass and he asked me if Santa was real because it was an advent. And I was like, yeah, sure. He's real. And then without skipping a beat, he asked me, okay, is Jesus real? Like he asked me those questions back to back. And so then I had to be like, okay, okay, wait. Santa is not real. Jesus is real. Like, cause he was very, it was very, he's a type of kid where um, any 
untruth, it, it's devastating. You know, it will wipe out all truth you have ever shared with him. So it was very clear to us that he needed the no Santa. He needed to know. We needed to just squash the Santa thing for him. So then our second Bernadette, um, I kind of thought like, well, he already found that at four, you know, she's just a year behind him. So I'm like, well, we're just not doing Santa. So we really didn't do it. But for her, she's such like a, she just loves like imagination. She loves the mystery of things. And so even though I'm pretty sure I had told her outright, there isn't Santa. She really like, she actually told me she was a little bit older. She told me, she's like, I know, but I really like believing in him. So she actually, like asks permission to continue to believe in him. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's great. Like, you know, we all like watching Star Wars and imagining that world. And if you want to imagine this really jolly man that brings gifts to everyone, like that's fine. So um, anyway, I don't have the answer for this. I only have the experience of my children. And I just think it's so important to really be monitoring, you know, because I do have a friend who she's she's e free, but she has this whole drama about Santa that like I found out my parents were lying to me about it and it just almost wrecked my whole relationship with God. And I'm like, well, okay, that's not what your parents were intending, obviously. Um, But yeah, you probably were like my oldest and you would have benefited from being told that. No, Santa's not real. No. So, Nancy, that's so, you know, again, very sensitive of you and also astute to kind of understand that really, you know, parenting, and I, and, and I want to get into this a little bit about what your work with um, Catholic Sprouts, because I think that's one of the gifts you bring, is this idea that we really need to tailor things to our own children and look at that. You know, parents tend to play this comparison game. And as Catholics, we want to be good, faithful Catholics. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, there are those who also go the route that St. Nicholas is distinctly Santa, Santa Claus, and he brings the gifts on the six. So there's all different permutations of this, but I love how you, you really recognize that in your child. That's so great. It really makes a lot of sense. Um, so I mentioned something about before we go, or I, I wanted to give a little bit of time to saying, okay, there's Advent. It's the beginning of the liturgical year. Let's talk a little bit about Catholic Sprouts, how you are teaching parents to become a domestic church yeah. in living the liturgical year. Can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, totally. So what we, what I was, I'm a slow learner sometimes, I think, but um, I was doing this podcast for kids for about two years. And then I realized after getting hundreds of emails that we didn't really have a podcast or a, a ministry for kids. We had a ministry for parents. And this really like hit home to me after I read, read Familiaris Consortio by JP2, because he's so clear that, you know, the catechism says parents are the first heralds of the faith. Parents are the primary educators of their children's faith. And just in prayer, I started reflecting on this, like, I am the primary educator for five children, and that feels like enough. Maybe there'll be more along and I'll add them, but I I have no right, and I really don't want to be the primary educator of anyone else's children. So we started hearing from parents that would listen to the podcast with their kids, you know, like I'm learning so much. I feel like I've grown so much. And I realized like if we can, because you know how we are, parents will do things for their kids. They won't do for themselves. You know, they'll turn on Catholic sprouts while they're driving somewhere for their kids when they wouldn't turn on a Bishop Barron podcast for themselves. So we just realized we have this unique opportunity to speak to parents and um, and to really both form them, because I think it's no secret that we have you know, the generation of Catholic parents, myself included, our formation either wasn't very good or in my case, we didn't receive it very well. You know, I remember sitting in CCD classes and zoning out. And everything I know is something I came to as an adult. You know, the Holy Spirit is very good to us. So so anyways, um, we just, my husband and I just really have taken this on, on that, you know, if, 
if the church is going to tell us we are the primary educators of our children's faith, um, then there needs to be some sort of training for parents. And if, you know, the church is going to say you need to live in a domestic church, I would say most Catholic parents don't know what that means. You know, it means a whole lot more than just streaming mass in your living room. It means a lot more than that. But how do we get there? You know, and if we didn't grow up in a domestic church, then how do we even know where to start? You know, and when a father hasn't been to reconciliation in 20 years, how do you how do you start? So um, one thing we've been working on and um, praise be to God, we just want to grant through yes. OSV yes. to kind of fund it to get it started. Yeah, it's we called the mention to everybody that they did. I mean, you won this competition for a uh, huge grant money to uh, amongst other people, because I think a Sunday visitor recognized the importance of your work with families. So yeah. Tell us what you plan to yeah. do. Yeah. As you move so forward. I just think like there's finally this realization that there's all these resources for us when we get married, you know, lots, even if you look on formed, you know, there's tons of things about marriage and renewing your marriage and all these things, but what is there for Catholic parents? And literally the future of our church is sitting at our dining, you know, at our, at our tables each night for dinner. So like when half of the millennial generation that grew up Catholic has left the church, it's clear that outsourcing faith formation to parishes, you know, which I'm sure, you know, in this community, is not an issue. You guys are leading the way. Um, but just in the larger world where we're outsourcing faith formation, it, it's not working it's not working. And so there needs, and so, you know, the kind of the God uses all things for good. And I think that is one thing that's happened with the pandemic. There's more emphasis on the home. And, you know, I think parishes need a lot of help in realizing that whole family faith formation does not mean you just hand people a packet and say, okay, do these crossword puzzles and color this page. Like it's a lot more than that. And I also think a lot of faith formation in the family misses the first crucial step, which is getting rid of all the garbage and all the wounds. You know, we live lives with so much distraction and clutter. There's no space for prayer in our home. There's no time for prayer in our home. And there's so many wounds between family members that need to be addressed first. So, so anyway, so we worked all summer long. We made a six-week program for Catholic families, whole families, audio-based. Um, the real thing we're trying to teach parents is how to talk about the faith at home. Because one of the most startling statistics that we found through all of this, like OSV is really cool because they say, you know, like, yeah, ministry is great, but we want to fund things that are going to work. Like things that there's research that proves that this is actually going to work. It's not going to just be like, oh, a gathering no one showed up to, right? So they said, okay, we like your idea, but prove to us that it works. So we did all this research, and there's a really cool guy out of Notre Dame that's called Christian Smith, Dr. Christian Smith, who's studying the transmission of the faith. And he's done these like super long studies, studying the same group of families for years and years. And what he found, and all homeschool families should feel good about this, he found that the number one indicator of whether family or children will stay Catholic is if there are authentic faith conversations in the home. Like it had nothing to do with socioeconomic class. It had nothing to do with if the parents had great formation or if they were converts or anything like that. The only thing that mattered was if they, if they had regular, authentic conversations about the faith. So that's what we're trying to do, you know? And even if the conversation is like, wow, I, yeah, I don't know why our church teaches that about contraception. Like, let's watch a Father Mike Schmidt's video or something, you know? That's still a conversation. And that's still so, so powerful for keeping keeping kids Catholic, passing on the faith, all of those things. So, yeah. One of the things, uh, again, I was taking uh, some notes before we talked, and, and I love this idea that, you know, children, these are the, the things that you believe in at Catholic Sprouts. Mm -hmm. It was, you say, we believe that children learn best from their parents, 
but that children will fall in love with the truth of the Catholic faith, you know, um, but it's also to model them through an act of prayer life, marriage, and a constant quest for holiness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what are some, you know, um, tips that you can give us? Uh, You have your program, but um, anything else that you wanted to just share with us in terms of just saying, um, how do we model their prayer life ourselves? Does it have to be anything elaborate? Do we, you know, because you said you sort of in the beginning talked, you, you thought just naturally being a parent, you'd do it, you know, but it didn't work. So what are some yeah. things we could just on a practical level do? Yeah. Um, so family prayer is hard, <laughs> yeah. right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, one thing that's been really life giving for us is we have committed to the simplest probably version of Lexio Divina each night. We open the gospel for the following day. So we read the daily gospel reading the night before so we can think about it. Um, what's been, and my husband had this idea. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's going to be a nightmare. It's not going to work. But he is kind of uh, bullish and optimistic enough to try it anyway. But so what we did is we just read the gospel and then we asked the kids what they heard and that's it. And what's always amazing is that they, they're always listening more than you think they are. Even um, our six-year-old, he's like a little caveman. I think, you know, his favorite thing to do is dig holes. Um, But anyway, he'll just hear the most sort of simple, beautiful truths. And so, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, I think sometimes I especially can overcomplicate things, you know, and just the real simplicity of reading God's word, trusting it is alive and active still and asking our children just simply, what did you hear is super powerful. So that's been really life giving for us. And it's so refreshing to hear the gospel through the ears of our kids sometimes, you know. Because I'll, I, I feel like every time there's a gospel passage, they will hear it better than me because I've heard it so many times that I'll almost be like, eh, heard it, <laughs> you know, and stop listening. Um, so, anyways, that's been really life giving for us to just open the gospel and just ask them what they heard. So, yeah. and uh, you know, and of course, with everything with parenting, some nights it's like awesome, and some nights it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Great. Thank you for putting in that little real spin. <laughs> yeah. Because there are days, nights where I can remember it's just meltdown and we just go right to bed. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nothing's yes. gonna come out of this, but and and you know, kind of does a, a disservice to prayer life <laughs> by yelling yes. at the children. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. Yeah. So, but I Been love there. how you also said, so I think one of the elements too, you maybe brought into this is this idea, how do you and your husband, I've been hearing you say you and your husband, that was another element, you know, about our marriage, how, um, you know, he was stubborn enough, but you let him do that. Can, you know, can you share with us some of that little bit of a journey in terms of, they, you know, how you and your husband work together, but what you'd encourage other, you know, husband and wives, because that is another struggle. You know, we don't see things the same way. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh man, the struggle. I think many women have this desire, like, oh, I want him to lead, but I want him to lead exactly like this. (laughs) I want you to do it, but I want you to do exactly this way. Oh gosh. It's, I have not mastered it. It is a death for me constantly. One thing that I have really learned from my husband is um, the value of learning with the kids. Um, so he, his mom actually was a DRE when he was growing up. So of course he went all through formation, but I just, you know, but then he fell away in college and it never really sunk in until, you know, shortly before I met him actually. And so a lot of these things, even like he'll listen to the Catholic Sprouts podcast with our kids over lunch, you know, he's got a corporate job, so he's home. And so they'll all listen to it together. And every day, you know, he's kind of like, wow, I didn't know that about, you know, saying Rose Philippine or Duchesne or whoever, Um, you know, he'll really, so it's what's so 
captivating to me that he does so successfully is that he's very interested and he's very verbal. So he'll always share that, but just, it's so powerful to learn with the kids, you know, cause I can kind of have a tendency to be like, you can read, go read that. <laughs> or, you know, here's what you're supposed to be doing. Go do it. But he's just, he's so good about sitting and listening with them or reading it with them. And just like that can really be just so contagious, you know, he's also, um, I'm, I'm, I can get really wrapped up on in like the way things should be done and the timeline we should be on. And he's much looser with that. So, um, I realize we're much better forming our children as a team than just me. You know, sometimes he'll get on my nerves a little because we're not on the timeline I'd set, but when I can actually get out of that, that and realize that what he's doing is so valuable. Like I can cram all the things down their throats, but him actually sitting and listening for 10 minutes with them and talking with them is, it's so much more successful. So I just really feel, and this is just me, but I just feel if I can just get out of my own way sometimes and let him actually lead, right. it works better. So, yeah. And he may lead in a way that you'd never expected. And, and yeah. um, you painted that picture so well for us, Nancy, in the sense of saying that um, he's learning right alongside of them. That kind of comes right back full circle to where we began this whole conversation of how you put things together. I think you had that intention of just saying, when we slow down, fresh eyes. So even in that, you know, we're doing these things learning with them because we're still on that journey. We, yes. You know, our formation isn't like done. It's yeah. a done deal. Right. I mean, I got so least, much more to learn. Mine's not. Yeah. I, there's yes. so much. That's a beautiful thing about being Catholic, right? There's always yes. a deeper level to get to. Yes, there is. So I know we're starting to get close to our time, our time together, which has been just like, you know, it went by like in two did, seconds here, <laughs> but I wanted to give an opportunity for you to kind of um, let us know about what we can look forward to through Catholic Sprouts, talk about it again, um, how people can reach you and just give us all those details. I, I do promise that we will put those links. You send me, you know, anything you want, Nancy, and I'll put it in our community and pass Great. it on to especially great. those that are seeing us in replay here. <laughs> great, great. So there's one question in the chat about the the age that Catholic Sprouts is best for. Yes, yes. Um, and so I will admit the music that we have, middle schoolers will roll their eyes, be warned, I've been told. So <laughs> um, I feel the content is still good. I know my husband still listens to it, but um, you know, middle who likes to be in middle school? No one likes to be in middle school, but I would say probably best for uh, like an elementary aged kid or at least a family where there's elementary kids there. I know a lot of family with older kids, even in high school, and they all listen to it together and they all like it, but the high schoolers would never listen to it on their own, which I get, I find it's hard to be that age. So anyway, but yeah. yeah. Nancy, do you write all the scripts um, yourself yeah. ahead of time? Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> it's good. No, because you're a great storyteller and, and it is about story, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So I want people to understand that too. Yeah, maybe the music at the beginning. So maybe mom can kind of cue it past yeah. the music. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm also thinking maybe we need to upgrade our mu music. We've had the same for two years. And I, <laughs> yeah. I'll, and it's so funny because I'll hear from people that are younger. They're like, oh, my kids love the music. They dance every time it comes on. And then I'll hear, you know, like, oh, well, the middle schooler rolls their eyes and say, oh, the baby music. So anyway. It's not baby music, but I do. No, feel it is not. It's very cheerful and danceable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, music is hard. But um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's such a joy to put it together. And if you want, um, we have all sorts of free resources and things um, over at Catholic Sprouts. And if you're interested at all in our new project, the Domestic Church Project, you can go to domesticchurchproject.com as well. So, so with the, the six-week program, is that something that people would sign up for <clears throat> as a family? I, I noticed. Okay. And it's just... Yep. 
free resource or is that something they have to pay for? So, well, it's actually going to be in an app. So it's not made yet, but it's going to be a standalone app. And so, um, yep. And so it's going to be a subscription. You can, it's just going to be $8 a month. And once you're done with it, you can move on, but we're going to have tons of stuff in there. We're really excited. We're working on, I'm really excited. We're working on um, a saints series in there right now because uh, we were going to write a book, but we decided, well, there's enough saint books, but we're looking at saints based on the, the emotions that they experienced because I think emotional education is really important. I mean, in my own children, I feel like I spent a lot of time trying to help them understand what they're feeling. So, um, you know, so each month there's going to be seven new saints that celebrate their feast days that month. And so we just got finished recording January and, you know, again, it's all story-based, but like, you know, when I'm struggling with feelings of abandonment, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton is a friend to me because she understands, or when I'm still struggling with feelings of worthlessness, St. Andre Bissette is a friend to me. So anyway, just really trying to remind ourselves and myself included that if we're feeling something, there's a saint that's felt that too. So and, and giving validity to their feelings, you know, and in a yeah. way of giving them the tools to be able to cope with it. And our church is so beautiful to do that. That's, that's awesome. Great. That's, that's really great. I, yeah. I saw all you had these little patches that kids can oh, work through yes. too. Yeah. Tell us about the patch program. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Dear. So we have, this is a hundred percent free, hundred percent free. Um, we love to encourage kids to embrace these Catholic practices that we know are so important. So we offer patches for all sorts of fun Catholic things like praying the rosary for a month, or if it's part of a rosary, if they're younger, Um, the divine mercy chaplet, reading scripture every day for a month. We have one specifically for Lent, one specifically for Advent, um, for doing the corporal works of mercy, the uh, spiritual works of mercy, uh, for doing a little saint biography. So we have lots of them and they're totally free. You just can go and submit your little form when you're done and we'll send you a patch. Cause awesome. That's great. Takes on that 30 day challenge, you know, instead of just losing the pounds, we're yeah. going to get more faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I always feel like when we do something like that, our kids lead the way in motivating us. You know, you put the little countdown tracker on the fridge and they're grabbing their rosary before you even have to ask. So, yes. So, and that is again about our faith, you know, it, it, it does take time, you know, mm-hmm. to be patient with yourself, to build a habit and, and just, uh, so that's a lovely, wonderful thing to do that. I also did notice that you're, you're going to probably work on stuff maybe in Spanish. Is that going to come yes. down the pike too? That's great. Yes. Things are getting a little bit delayed, but uh, our our podcast is set to launch in Spanish, Niños Católicos, in uh, soon. <laughs> soon. My friend Jose runs a whole bunch of Spanish hands or a Spanish language podcast network. So it's going to be different content and it's only going to be once a week, but there is nothing in Spanish for kids right now at least audio. So um, we're going to do that. And we're hopeful to translate the entire domestic church project in the coming year. So um, wonderful. I don't have the skills to do that. But you know, when half of the church speaks Spanish, I think it's pretty important. So it does. And you are so right. We have a very huge um, Mexican community here in this Pennsylvania, Delaware area. And, and I know families who minister to them, there is virtually nothing available for them. So thanks. That's going to be something I know that will help the church. Um, Any last, uh, you know, remarks you want to kind of leave us with something, you know, again, one of those things I want people to realize that Catholic Sprouts, I mean, is available um, on your website. um, Mm -hmm. And then to just understand that anything that Nancy does, she does so that it's no prep mom. It's done for you. And she's going to walk you through that process. So um, parting words, Nancy, before we go. Yeah, well, um, I just want to thank you guys all for investing in your children's formation. It's so important. And we're all part of the same church. So you really forming good Catholics in your home will benefit my own children. So, So really, thank you. Um, I am determined to renew the church through the home. And so whenever I meet Catholic parents, I just want to really remind them that, that 
the church with the big C will be renewed by the little churches in our home. So take that very, very, very seriously. What we do is so important. Even if you're too busy to volunteer in your parish right now, even if your parish is closed because of COVID, what you are doing in your home is so important. And it doesn't need to be one particular thing. I just, like you said before, to remind us that God gave us specifically to our families and to our children. You know your children better than the mom on Instagram that you've been following. And really trust trust that God knew what he was doing. And if you feel in your gut that Advent needs to be a particular way in your family, even if it's totally counter to everything I shared here today, you know better. And so trust that God has a beautiful plan for your family. And I am always so inspired by the words of JP2 from Familiaris Consortio. You know, he really commanded families to be what they are. You know, we are families destined to, we created to remind God of, or remind the world of who God is, you know, to be these communities of love. So even oh, during the rough days, even when everyone's screaming, we're still communities of love. Yes, so, we are. Yeah. Thank so you. I'll have my prayers and it's been such an honor to speak to you guys. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for, for the gift of yourself and the gift of everything that you're doing. We are very blessed by your attendance. I want to remind everybody that this will be recorded. So do invite your friends, uh, family thing, anybody that you know that you know would benefit from this, which I think is a lot of people. <laughs> it will be posted um, in our community. And that community is Catholic Homeschool Community on the Mighty Networks uh, platform. You can go to Mighty Networks, look up Catholic homeschool and you will get our community join it's a free place to join so please we also do have a youtube channel that we'd love you to subscribe to and you can always reach us at catholichomeschoolconference.com thank you again nancy god thank bless you. everybody take care have a good one bye-bye bye. thank you so much for watching if you enjoyed this video please consider liking it and subscribing to our youtube channel you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Thank you, and have a blessed day.